everyone. Welcome to Handing the Shame Back, a show dedicated to the survivors of sexual abuse everywhere in the world. And we know there are many of us up to one in three. So it's important we have these conversations and I'm always very blessed and honored to have amazing guests on the show. Uh, we're at part two with with Stuart Lord and he comes to us from Boulder, Colorado. He's a survivor, he's an educator, he's a social justice advocate. I can get all the words out, I promise. Uh, He was 11 years old when he was first abused by someone in the Boy Scouts who then, within a matter of time, started uh, trafficking him to other people, one of whom was an executive member of the Boy Scouts of America. So uh, really thrilled to have him with us. Stuart, welcome back. Thank you. Happy to be back. Good. Now I know you're shy about speaking. No, he's not. (laughs) Um, So where would you like to um, start from or uh, you know we had mentioned off screen perhaps going to how you managed to escape your abuser so I I went to college so I realized that I I wanted to go to college close to the home I wanted to go to college I wanted to go to Morehouse College in, in Atlanta Georgia but I realized if I went to Morehouse College Atlanta Georgia he would have greater access to me or be close. So what do you do? You go far away. So I went to college in Texas. Wow. I went to TCU, <laughs> Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas. Got a track scholarship. And he told me I couldn't take the scholarship and I couldn't go away and was tell me where I had to be because he needed to come see me. And we had these arguments and fights and, and, and telling me how what my future was going to be. But I realized that college was going to be that opportunity for me to escape and get away. And up until the day that I was to leave to go to college, he wanted to take me to the airport. And we had this big argument. No, you're not taking me. My sisters are taking me. I'm sister and brother. So they took me. He came to the house that day to take me as if he's going to. And I said, we're not going to have this. And that was the last time I spoke to him. The last time I saw, now, the last time I spoke to him and saw him, but it wasn't the last time he tried to reach out to me or he told everyone that he was tracking what I was going on in college. He was telling people that we were in conversation. And when I got, after I finished my undergraduate, I went to graduate school and I got ordained, he shows up at the ordination. And my brother tells me, wait a minute here. What are you doing here? He said, if Stuart finds out you're here, he's going to be furious at you. Because my brother knew some what was going on that we had. I told him I never want to talk to this human being again. I didn't share my story with my twin brother because I didn't, you know, again, you don't tell this story. Um, but um, when my sister passed uh, 20 years later, I met a friend of mine I went to high school with. He says, yeah, we know all about what's going on in your life because Mr. Barnes is telling it. He is, I guess I'd have to say he's stalking me. 
for taking credit for everything. He talked about, you know, I, I, I became, um, I got my master's and I got my doctorate. And he was telling everyone every along the way that was going on as if he was there. So I used to have this, I had this reoccurring dream that I um, went to his house and knocked on his door to confront him. And he comes to the door and I ask him, I say, you know, you know what you did was, it? and he denies it. And that, in that rage, I kill him in the dream out of rage. But then I realize that not only did he try to destroy me the first time, if I kill him, he destroys me the second time. Because now I don't, you know, who's going to believe me? This, I, I, I do this to this old man. And so I have this reoccurring dream in my 40s. And then for some reason, one day I find myself at his front door. So we're out of a dream now. We're in reality. Yes. Yeah. I find myself at his front door and I'm about to knock on it. It was one Thanksgiving. I did knock on the door. I left and I got the courage to go down to the Nourishell Police Station and file a complaint. I went into the police station. And, you know, they're like, who is this guy? And, you know, they don't know what to do with me. And uh, once they, I guess they, we, I was there about four hours. We took a break. And then when they came back in the second part, they were all like, wait a minute, we got to take this guy serious. They had done their research, I guess. And I told them my story. They said, what do you want? I said, I want justice. I want it on record that this happened to me. Yeah. And they said, well, we have to confront him and ask him about what happened to you. And we, do you mind if we go? And I said, well, if that's what you need to do, you need to do it. And then they asked me the question, which I didn't want to answer to. They said, do you know if your brother was also uh, abused by this person? Yeah. My twin brother. Yeah. And I said, I don't know. Now, did I have a hunch? Absolutely. But you bury that stuff because it's just too much to handle. They said, you have to ask your twin brother. So after they dropped me off, I called my twin brother and I asked him, I said, I'm at the police station. They just dropped me off. They asked me to ask you, did Lonnie Barnes do anything to you? And my brother says, yes. My brother gave the details and my brother didn't share everything until after I found the file, after he passed away a year ago, he was abused by this person over 50 times. I was abused by this person 300 plus times. And so not only did my brother as a survivor from him, but I am also a survivor. So um, I told the police, they said, well, he wasn't involved in scouting, so they really couldn't do anything. And then uh, when they went to his house, they asked him, they said, Stuart Lord says that you did so-and-so to him, Mr. Barnes. And they said, well, what is your response? And he said, it's true. I admit it. 
they said, will you come down to the police station and put it on record? He says, yes, I will. Two days later, he came down to the police station and put it on record. And then the detective contacted me after and said, we have a confession that he abused you. That he says, what, what you said happened is true. When I got that email, because he tried to call me and we we weren't we didn't connect on phone. I met, read that email and must have read it a hundred times because I believe, you know, I always believed no one would believe me and no one would take me seriously. And so when he confessed, it was like I was a hundred pounds lighter. Uh, wow. I could share my story and and not have the fear that I have to prove what happened to me. Wow. I'm feeling it for you, with you. How mm -hmm. beautiful, how powerful. Oh, Stuart. What a gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, so because I have that gift, I feel like I got to do something with it. Can you talk us through, I guess, the range of emotions that... I imagine you would have been conflicted as well. Um, yeah, because yeah, I mean conflicted. Um I'm I'm like, so they asked me, what do you want to do now? <laughs> do you want to like press charges? Because that's not why I went into press charges. I went, and they said, Well, I said, Well, I don't know. You tell me what I should do. But the statute of limitations had run out, so they couldn't do anything. He probably knew that. And then he died four years after that. And so I think he needed to, to confess. He needed, you know, I, I believe he needed to tell his truth to the burden that he was carrying because, you know, I did not end up hating him or hating people or destroying, you know, I took what happened to me and tried to channel it for positive things to do good in the world. But I could have gone, I could have gone in any direction. And I think when he looked at what I was doing with my life and the things I was trying to do to help others uh, in ministry, because I'm also an ordained minister and devoted my life to helping and, and creating positive situations for people. But, you know, when, 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 I, when I read that email, it was like, oh, my God, something that I thought I would never get was given to me. Wow. I kept, you know, and now now I could like, tell people my story because before I was ashamed of my story. I yeah. could not tell my story because yeah. of being judged. And so, he, you know, all these years, he pushed me into silence and, 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 and I was diminished. And so I had to fight out of that. So I started doing meditation. But the problem about doing meditation is when you have those quiet moments, that river of what happens to you, what happened to you, the door is open. Yes. And you begin all those secrets and all those things you did not want to admit or to hear that happened to you or remember now are right there in front of you. And so I started doing some deep counseling. I, I met a counselor who would do eight hours of counseling sessions with me. We did that for about a year and a half. Uh, and because I realized I needed to do the work of healing myself if I was to ever be in the position to offer my story to others, but I had to first seek healing. And I'm still in counseling. Why? Because when you have that much trauma that happens to you, 
you need help and help is not a negative thing it help is a very right positive to. thing and yeah. counseling and finding those professionals in your life to help you and trusting the people around you to tell your story but you can't tell you you know you can't tell everybody because they just don't have the the bandwidth to to to, to, to handle it but you have to uh, i found myself being able to share and in telling my story it is also healing you know because i am on a healing journey and so i there's a lot of stuff the layers that are there and the, and, and the peeling peeling away all of that shame and doubt and and anger you know my wife used to ask me why are you so angry and i go and i didn't understand what that meant but then I started through counseling, realizing why I was angry. I had every right to be angry. And anger was a way of me dealing with what happened to me. Now, was it a positive way? One could say yes, one could say no, but it was, I, if it's, I had to release it. I had to find a way to, 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 to permission to be honest with my trauma. Because when I was young, did I think about suicide? Absolutely. But then no, I, yeah. I didn't do suicide because I didn't want him to win. No, but I want to stop you there because the, there's a lot of threads here that I think are quite uh, impactful. Stuart, it doesn't matter what you did to try and make sense of it while it was all going on or what you did afterwards. You know, to me and for survivors watching this, honoring ourselves with whatever we needed to do to survive it is the key. Yes. It doesn't actually matter whether you, just let me explain, whether you turned to crime or drugs or alcohol or food or gambling or workaholism. You were trying to make sense of something that hadn't made sense and as we know survivors turn it in so i think whatever you did had to be what it, what it's what needed to have happen the other thing is that you know your recurring dream isn't it powerful the subconscious and how you know it needed you to have that happen it had to be in your mind for a while before it could occur and I think, too, the fact that you were able to manage it and that you were able to understand that if you did kill him, he would be destroying you for the second time and you couldn't allow it. No. So I think that's all really powerful. I guess as we, we're coming into the last, you know, five, eight minutes of this, what's helped what would you recommend to other survivors in their own journeys of healing and recovery? So what's helped for me is being honest with myself. Yes. Okay. And being able not to be ashamed of who I am and, 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 and welcoming all the parts of me and the complexity of me. Because we, 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 you know, I had so much shame and I had so many parts that I had to sort of navigate and hide. But to realize that because of my abuse, who I am and who we are, I am a very complex individual. I'm not one thing. I'm not one person. I, I've had all these things happen to me. And out of that, 
is a beautiful human being and story and to embrace that and to, be, and, and to care for that and to be gentle with that and not judge it in a way that, you know, I'm a bad person, I did this and, and all those labels, but to, to, to just get rid of the labels and, and hug myself and talk to that little steward and sort of say, little stew, it was not your fault. You didn't do these things. And, and, and sort of like dance with that little boy inside of me and welcome him into a world that is complex and into a world who says, you know, you are lovable. You want it and, and, and talk to that little person. And so I often do that because it was like, it's like medicine because no one did that to me. No one at that age told me that what was happening to me was wrong. What was happening to me was not my fault. It, everything was the opposite. And the adults around you, they, it's their problem. It was, they didn't have the courage to really stand up for you, but you, you deserved it. And so you start with that little child, you welcome him and you love him and you never want that person to get away from your embrace has been very powerful for me. And then lots of counseling and prayer and meditation and reading and studying and being honest with me about my psychological scars that I have from what happened to me. And why would I not have psychological scars? Oh. It's like, if, if I don't have psychological scars from what happened to me, I'm not a human being. <laughs> I, 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 to be a human being and have what happened to me and, and then to have the resilience to rise above it and to, and to really, in a lot of ways, welcome my ancestors in my life and ask my ancestors to now wake up and support who I am today because you were there supporting me when it was going on, but now you have to support me in a way that I can now move in a world unapologetically and live my life fully for the benefit of me and for the benefit of others. A hundred percent. You need to, but equally, what are you doing now? How can people find you now? What, what work are you doing in this space? How can you be? Re we will put it all in the show notes yeah. below. Yeah, it's good. Well, I mean, uh, there's a film that came out called Leave No Trace. Yeah, it's uh, on on Hulu, uh, Boy Scouts film. It tells a story about uh, five abusers tell their story. We also I also started the uh, BSA Survivors Action Group. Yes, which provides resources and services for men. And I'm also working on a book called Heart Warrior, uh, working on a book to tell my story. And it tells my, I, I tell the story, my dad and I, I, I met my biological parents. And so, but when I met my biological father, I blamed him for everything because I believed if he was there, it wouldn't have happened. So, the, so it's a father-son dynamic story, but also having the courage to tell my father about my abuse. 
and the whole story. And so th those are some of the things that I'm doing now, working on the book. I finished my, I've been working on this book for, oh, about 10 years and have the first draft finished, have, have the third draft finished. But writing and telling the story through a book is also a healing process. So journaling or just taking a tape and, 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 and taping. And so I, I used to go on a weekend retreats and I still do. And I uh, tape my story or tell my story. But then I also did a, a ritual called pouring tea to my demons. And so I invite the people who hurt me in and talk to them honestly and 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 in real and painful ways and tell them what you did to me was wrong. And so do that ritual uh, about every, every couple of years uh, to be able to, because when I, you know, when I'm talking to them, I don't have to worry about someone else hearing it. And I, yeah. I can be honest with them. Yeah. Well, a hundred percent. And whatever you need is whatever you should have, you yeah. know, so much was taken and we know child sexual abuse uh, cast the shadow, the length of a lifetime. And so all those parts of you that you were integrating and manifesting, they, they're just beautiful. And we honor that beautiful little boy. So thank you, Stuart. And is there, do you have a website or is there a way people can reach you, please? Well, they can, uh, I have a website that's uh, stuartlord.com. They can find okay. me Okay. Uh, on, on our web. I have a website. I do speaking engagements. And okay. so they, they can find me. If they Google me, Stuart Lord, they're going to find a lot. Uh, and I'm still trying to, you know, do, do good in the world. Yeah. Well, you certainly are. And it's uh, an absolute gift. Um, just uh, beautiful to hear your story today, Stuart. So thank you for the privilege to share it and, and, and to be with you and your audience. It's, it's, uh, and again, this is thank you for an opportunity to be on the healing journey. This is a healing experience. Every experience to talk about what has happened to me. And it's so powerful. Thank you. Stay right there, Stuart. And um, audience, lot to digest today. And you know, Stuart talked about uh, a lot of things. And what I loved in particular were, you know, he said that what really helped him was being honest with himself and I think sometimes as survivors we don't do that enough so it's okay to just hold that mirror up and check in with what you really feel and, and check in on some of that self-talk. He also talked about welcoming all the parts of him and, and loving that beautiful little child who he was and I, I love that and I, I'd love you guys to take that away and start to work with that. All of Stuart's details, everything he's mentioned, I'll put on our show notes so that you can reach out. And, um, you know, just so grateful to you, beautiful ones. If it wasn't for you, we would not be able to share what we do. And uh, just want to honour you and know that you're seen and believed always. <laughs>